0: greet somebody next to you, tell them you're glad to see them in church today. And uh, just want to say to you that we are living in the last days. And you know, if you read through scriptures, you will keep on hearing the Bible says we are in the last days, we are in the last days. Peter ended up even saying, some people say, but we've always been told we are living in the last days, and when is the Lord coming back? So as we live in the last days, we know there are perilous times, difficult times here on the earth. And sometimes there are people who feel rejected, dejected, and not accepted. And you hear of high incidents of um, suicide, people having no hope. Sometimes people even being betrayed by people whom they thought... They were their closest uh, acquaintances. And I believe that the church should be the place of hope for the hopeless world. Amen? Amen? Amen. The church should be the place of hope for the hopeless world. It means if you are out there and you want to run for a place of safety, a place of hope, let it be the church. So as the church of God, we have a responsibility to Show the love of God among ourselves and even for everybody else so that people who feel rejected could feel accepted. I like uh, what Pastor Josephine, my wife, usually say. She's very good at telling people, I love you. Amen. It's good to be told you are loved, isn't it? It, it, it makes you feel good. So it means we also need to learn to tell others, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. Amen? So that you feel that you are not alone. Because sometimes there is a sense where you might feel alone. You might feel people don't care. But I want to say that the church should be that place of hope. So today I want us to look as at the church as a family. And stressing more the importance of loving one another. Just loving one another. Just know that I'm being loved. So it means even if somebody tells me I'm nothing and I'm rejected, I will never amount to anything, let it be that when I come to church, I feel this is home for me. Amen? This is home. I feel accepted. I feel I belong. I feel I've got a self-worth. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Because... As human beings, it's not very much possible to love. Human nature, human nature after Adam. Yesterday we had a membership class. By the way, it was an excellent period. And we're talking also about the human nature of Adam that we inherited through Adam. Everybody then inherited the nature of sin. But then it means if we talk about love, love is the trait of God, is the nature of God. The Bible says God is love. So if I have to love like God, I have to first experience God's love. And I have to first have that love of God. Then I can dispense that love to others. So no wonder the people who once told you they loved you, and they turned their backs on you, because that love was not based on the agape love of God. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, New King James Version, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. <clears throat> you see how we received the love of God? So I've got the love of God in me. As a child of God, I am able to love. Many people in the world, when they say they love you, they are looking for something from you. That is lust. Because they love you only as long as you are lovable. They love you only as long as you told the line. But God loved us irrespective of who we were. God loved us and accepted us without necessarily saying we deserve it. And I realize that there are times sometimes when we want people to deserve our love. Love doesn't have to be deserved. Amen? You love them like God does. Amen? The Bible even talks about loving even your enemies. Do you think your enemies deserve to be loved? No. But then you need to love them. Why? Because God loves them. Why? Because they were created in God's nature. Amen? Amen? It's a challenge, but we can. Because if that love of God is poured abroad in our hearts, we are able to love like God. We are able to accept people like God accepts them. That's why I was saying that for me, the church should be a family. You should feel, it's just good to be here. Sometimes, don't even feel like going home because you feel, this is home for me. Amen. And actually the early church, if you you read the book of Acts chapter 2, 3 and 4, you will see how the church was like a community. They would even move from house to house, breaking bread together, praying together, living together as a community of believers. And the Bible says, people envied them, and then the Lord added to the church daily as as they should be saved. So in other words, people have to start seeing those people love each other so much, I want to be part of them. In a way that if they ever come to church, they visit once, they realize, I cannot go back. This is the place to be. And the Bible says in John chapter 13, 44 and 45, New King James Version, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will people of the world know that we are the disciples of the Lord? If we love one another. So it means it can't be that in church we are squabbling, we are fighting, we've got cliques. We are keeping on criticizing each other, gossiping about one another, competing. It can't be that. It can't be right. Because the world has to see and say, those people love one another. We want to be part of them. We want to experience the love that they have. Amen. Amen. Like I was saying, that it's not very possible to love on your own if you do not have the love of God in your heart. And in many times, as you go to the book of Romans chapter 12, I want to pick a few things for you there that helps us to understand what love is and how we need to love one another. Amen. Romans chapter 12, 9 to 21, I'll do it in the NIV. It starts by saying love must be sincere. Can we all tell each other love must be sincere? It means there is unsincere. There are people who sometimes say they love you, but they're just saying it. Amen. Love must be sincere. Love must not be conditional. Love must not be because of who I am or because of what I've done. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be, lacking, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor, saving the Lord. You see how the love is? This love also helps us to stay one another unto good works. Stay one another to be a blessing. Stay one another to do good and to keep on serving God. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You see, in love we also pray for one another. In love, you pray for your pastor. Your pastor prays for you. We pray for one another. When you're thinking, you think, oh, that brother, that sister. You pray for them. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. So love shares. Tell your neighbor, love shares. shares. So it means even when we are in church, we should not have anyone poor among us. Because we should be able to share with one another. And be a blessing to one another. Amen. Practice hospitality. That's love. Bless those who persecute you. You see now, it means with love, people don't have to deserve it. Even those who persecute you, bless them. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. You see, it means in church, we don't have to be... Holding on to our positions. Yeah. In this church, you won't know our position. Some of us, if you, if you Google us, you will see who are standing in front of you. But we don't hold those things. Because here, we, we, we are brothers and sisters. We are children of the Lord. We all feel valued. So it says, be willing to associate with people of low positions. Don't be conceited. Now, do not repay anyone evil for evil. You know, usually people say, I'm also a human being. I've got blood. This verse doesn't say that. This verse says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. So it means if somebody hurts you, if somebody does evil to you, you don't pay back with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Amen. 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 As far as it is possible, as much as it depends on you. In other words, you need to say, on my side, I'm pursuing peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. When you are a peacemaker... Be, let it be that wherever you go, people experience the peace of God. Some people saw disharmony and discord. But we want you to be a peacemaker. And The Bible says, as far as it depends on you. You need to be able to say, as far as it depends on me, I'm doing everything to pursue peace. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. It's very easy to want to revenge, isn't it? Last week we talked about love. Uh, faith worketh by love, and we say one of the things that's hindering your faith, where you are not succeeding, sometimes some of you your prayers are not answered, because you are harboring adversity in your heart. you are harboring harboring bitterness. You are holding people in your heart instead of holding the word of God. Amen. So it is, don't take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, huh? if they are hungry, shouldn't they just have to death? Minus one problem. Says feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. But you know how our world is like, If somebody knows they are your enemy, when you try to give them something to drink, they also don't trust that drink. Because that's how, so they think, it can't be that you, whom I hate, are the one who's now blessing me. It can't be that you are the one who's giving me food. It can't be you are the one who's giving me drink. I suspect something. That's how people are like. But here he's talking about you blessing them sincerely. You giving them a drink sincerely. You loving them sincerely. You giving them food sincerely. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It means love is very, very important. Unfortunately, you find that in churches these days, we focus on a lot of many things and we forget about love. And Jesus said, there's just only two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your, with all your strength. And he says the second one, like unto it is love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's it. But you find that sometimes we are so busy with many things and all that and doing that and all that, and we forget about love. If you go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 1 to 13, I'll do in the New King James Version, just to show you the importance of this love. He says, Though I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, but have no love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know that these days we usually measure people according to what the miracles that are performed in their lives and all that. But he says the measurement is not that. That's what the Bible is saying here. Even though I talk with tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I've become a sounding brass or a playing cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing you see that so it means these many things that we usually put tags on people about and say that one is a great man of god that one is this so your greatness should be seen about by how much you love people amen Amen. your greatness tell your neighbor your greatness greatness. should should be seen by how much you love people That's what this this verse is saying here. Because it says, even if I've got faith to move mountains, even if I've got all prophecies and I can do everything, if I have love, I have no love, then I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed feed the poor, and though I give my body to be banned, but have not love, it profits nothing. Now let's listen to what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love Suffers long. Love is patient. And love is kind. Do you know that sometimes we are irritable? Mm. Sometimes if people are keeping on nagging, keeping on nagging. How many times must I tell you? Love is not irritable. Love suffers long and is kind. Can it be that also the way we speak with one another, we speak kindly? Even when we speak with our children, may we speak kindly. Even when we speak with our husbands, our wives, our relatives, may we be kind. Amen? Have you noticed that many people are able to speak kindly to the pastor? (laughs) But, But that is the very same person that the other time when they are speaking somewhere. Is this the same person? It means you have the ability to be kind. Why were you so kind to the pastor? And one other thing I've also realized, people are usually unkind to people whom they think they've got power over. People who are usually, who have got more power than you, you behave yourself. You control your anger. Amen? So it means, sometimes we we are unkind to the people that we think, on this one I can be unkind, and there will be no consequences. But love is kind, and we started with love must be sincere. So it means I can be kind, even the way I talk to people. Even if people are wrong, correct them with love. Amen? My children know this one, and even as they were growing and mommy knows. I, I would never correct my children in anger and taking shoes, beating the head of a child, and all that and all that. No, that's not being kind. So Sunday school children, the pastor is telling you how the parents should behave. So if they do it, if they beat you with a shoe, tell them the pastor didn't say that that's not kind. (laughs) So I'll tell you how I used to do it. So if they are wrong, they do the thing. I say, you don't do this, this is wrong. Then they do it again. I still speak, I say, you don't do this, this is wrong. Daddy has got other avenues he can use to make you listen. He's just choosing not to use those avenues, so please listen. They do it again, then we said, okay, now you've got your final, that's your final warning. They know that. So it means now, after this, we're not going to talk. They do it again, then I said, what did Daddy say the last time? Then they know (laughs) the problem is not Daddy here. Then we agree on how many they should get. (laughs) Yeah, we are not fighting. The problem with some of you parents, you are clapping a child. You can't clap your peers. (laughs) Because you know they will sort you back. So how dare you've got guts to clap a child? who is defenseless, talk to them. Tell them you've got other avenues you can use. Because sometimes people test your power. I do the same thing even at work. I'm very kind. But you've got steps. So you reach a certain step where I say, no, now we're drawing a line. So at least now, because you are trying to call, you're trying to test if I've got power. You see, some of us, we've got power. We just don't use it. Okay. So use power as your last resort. Especially for those who are taking chances. So chance takers would still also deal with you. But at least, generally, people are good. Generally, when people do something wrong, it's not because they've got bad intentions. So be gentle to them. Be kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Hey, So the Bible also know about being rude. There are people who are rude. And it says love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. I told you when I started here, that some people say they love you because they are looking for something from you. That's lust. Love does not seek its own. Love thinks about how can I be a blessing? What can I do for the other person? How can I make the other person feel loved, valued, and appreciated? What can I do for you? Amen? Mm. Love should be in such a way that some of us, sometimes we just think of blessing somebody, even with money. Hmm. Just a blessing, because we don't loan money, we are not a bank. Yeah, if, 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 if you've got a need, I bless you. I don't loan you money, I'm not a bank. Because imagine now, especially some of you, because we say we are family. So somebody loans you money or borrows you money as a brother or as a sister. Firstly, when they see that the money is not adding up, they wish you, they don't see you in church. Or on their own, they start feeling, How will I face that one in church? Maybe I don't have to go to church. You see now the problem you are creating. So don't borrow them, don't, don't loan them money. Say, This is what I can bless you with. And give what you can give. Then they don't owe you, you don't owe them. Then you continue to love one another. Amen? Because sometimes we, pr- we create unnecessary tension. Because you would find that somebody borrowed your money, and when they borrowed you, they were very close to you. Now they are ignoring all your calls. Hmm. So it means you could have as well just said, I can bless you with this, I can give you this, and then you remain friends. Because they know they don't owe you, you don't owe them. Amen. And it says, Love does not parade itself, verse 5. It does not behave rudely nor seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. I like this one about love thinks no evil. You know that usually when people do something, I always used to say to women that we should always judge each other on the positive side. You know that for every action that a person does, It's got two sides. Yeah, sometimes you find that you think this person is so bad and that, but you just misinterpreted them. Their intentions were good. So then we agreed that, let's first agree on the basis of love, that I will never do anything intentionally to hurt you. So the baseline is, because I love you, I will never intentionally do something to hurt you. So it means if something hurts you and it's from me, your first interpretation should be, he did not intend to hurt me. So what could be the reason? Then you try to interpret the positive side. You know that we usually like people to, we usually like to be judged by our good intentions, but we don't give us others the same grace. We are very quick to judge. That's why Jesus said, judge not so that you will not be judged. And it's the same thing also, you find that people quickly say, oh, is that one behaving like that in church? Why doesn't the pastor put a guillotine on him? But when it's you, you don't want a guillotine. Love is kind. Love thinks no evil of others. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Amen. Amen. You can read the rest. Let's go to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3, verse 11 to 18 in the NIV. 1 John 3, 11 to 18 in the NIV. It says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. See, this is the message. Basic. We should love one another. It would be so good. I mean, let's let's just love one another. Do you know that love doesn't cost anything? Just a matter of the heart. Just love people. Be a blessing to them. Talk kindly to them. Seek opportunities to help them. Pray for one another. It says, don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, my my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So for the world, they can hate us because they do not have the nature of God in them. They did not receive the love from God. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister. What is he? Verse 15. Can we read it together? Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is That sounds harsh. Says anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So it means sometimes we take these things lightly and we don't. We hate people. We nasty to people and all the things and I'll never forget what is done to me and... If I can get an opportunity and nobody sees us, I can finish with him. Sometimes you find that even being done by Christians. It says anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. This is how we know that what, what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is family. Jesus laid down his life for me. I must also lay down my life for others. I must always be there for others. Be there to uplift others. Be there to pray for others. Be there to be a blessing to them. Amen. If anyone has material possessions, now he's touching the pocket. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? You see that? Okay. There is a certain religion which excels a lot in trying to give. They do everything. They don't preach the gospel. They don't have crusades. But you find that they've got a lot of following. Why? Because people see that they, they give, they reach out to them, they, they demonstrate love to them. And then people flock there. Without any crusade, without any tents that we have and all those things. And people are still so many. Why? Because people feel, here I belong. Here when I have, or I'm in trouble, a lot of them come around me. Even when there is this, there is a disaster there, they are the first ones to be on the scene. That should be the children of God doing that. Amen? Because we've got the nature of God. We should be the ones who demonstrate the love of God to the world. The love of God to the people. So it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Amen. It's very easy just to say it, but can we also demonstrate it with our actions? So that we can see that this is a family. When somebody has need, we reach out for one another. Amen. Amen. Are we going to be there for one another? Amen. Amen. That's why actually we're supposed to call bra- each other brothers and sisters in church. And you call Pastor Josephine, mommy, or your mother. You call me, daddy, or your father. Because we are a family. Amen. So we should feel so much united and so much one. Like the church of the early days where even those who had need did not feel like they had needs. Because they were sharing with one another. The Lord has blessed us to be a blessing to others. Some of you, you are the only person in your family who works. And your other people are not working. The Lord has placed you there for a reason. That you can bless them. Amen? That you can do good to them. Some of you, you were taken to school by a struggling grandmother or uncle or auntie. They were struggling, they were doing everything possible to take you to school. Now you've finished schooling and you've forgotten about them. Don't forget your dream interpreters. Amen? Some of you, you wouldn't be where you are today if it were not for certain people. I've seen this also in church. There are people that knew each other because of church here, Jesus the Savior. But now they gang with each other and fight against the church. But you would not have known each other if it was not for Jesus the Savior. Yeah, we created a platform for you. Now now you are ganging when you would not have found each other if there was no Jesus the Savior. So don't forget your dream interpreters. Value them. Appreciate them. James chapter 2, from verse 14 to 26 NLT. James is continuing in the same vein that we read about when you have something that you can do to be a blessing to somebody else, do it. Don't just say, brother, I will pray for you. Pray for them, but also be a blessing to them. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, you see again it's coming to a brother or a sister, it means we are family here. Who has no food or clothing, that's why we also have another fund here in church called the Cornelius fund where give to that white uh, envelope that's not written anything, just give anything there that you want to be a blessing, just to bless people who have needs. It says, where are we? Verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I was not preaching, it's the verse. Just reading it for you. He says, what good is it? We are very good to just saying, I'll pray for you, my brother. But you know you can do something. It's the same thing with people who don't want to give in church. They say, we are standing with you, Pastor, we are praying for you. Yes, you can pray, but it's not enough just to pray. There are other things that you should do. Prayer is not a substitute for other things. Each thing has got its own place. So he says, you say to the person, goodbye and have a good day and stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing what good does that do so you say you see faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds it is dead or useless now someone may say some people have faith and others have good deeds but I say how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown up to be upright with God by his actions when he offered Isaac? On the altar. In other words, our faith should be demonstrated by action. Our love should be demonstrated by action. You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made him, his faith, complete. So it means, as children of God, we say we are exercising faith. We say we are the people of faith. May our actions also show it. May we be always for one another. May we always pray for one another. May we always support each other. I once heard this and I don't forget it and I think I shared it with you, some of you before. I had once Kenneth Copeland saying that he had Jimmy Swaggart say the only army in the world that he knows of where if one of the its soldiers is wounded, they finish them, is Christians. You know that usually in war, when one soldier is wounded, the other soldiers will risk their lives to save that one. But in church, usually when one is wounded, we're very quick to finish them. You actually don't need the enemy to finish them fellow combatants will finish them full. We should not do that. We should be so much there for one another that we even protect each other. The Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean when the person has sinned, we don't rebuke them, we don't correct them, but we do that in love. We we do it in a way that they still feel valued. They still feel they still have dignity. They are still having that uh, sense of, of, of being respected. Listen to this. Ephesians 4, 1 to 16 NIV. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of, call, of your calling, the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. You see that? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So in other words, make every effort. Be a peacemaker at all times. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it this is why it says when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people what does he descend he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly region he who descended is the one who ascended high than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now verse 11. For Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. You see, we are given as a gift to the church. They are given for what? To equip his people for, the, for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, there are certain people that God has given us among us, prophets, pastors, evangelists, uh, apostles, and teachers, so that they can equip us. So that you can come on a Sunday and we teach you like this. You are in training. You are a soldier. Tell your neighbor you are a soldier. You are in training. And when you are in training, don't miss training. Tell your neighbor, don't miss training. Yeah, because some soldiers are sleeping now as we are, <laughs> as we are in training. You need to kick the blanket and say, I'm going for training. It's Sunday today. I'm going to be equipped. It's like a car that does not have regular service. It gets stuck. And the problem is that when you get stuck, you still call the pastor again. But we will, we, tried to, we wanted to equip you. So that you can, your service, your may always be serviced. Amen? So he says, we are given so that to equip his people for the work of service. So it means when we are here, we all have to be serving. As a child of God, each one of us has got a role to play. We shared this also with the people in membership class yesterday about how each one of us has got a role in the body. It says... Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning craftiness of the people in the deceitfulness of scheming. I like this part. It says when we teach you, when we equip you, You will not be tossed to and fro by winds of doctrines. You know that there are people... So that's why in our church, we ground you in the word. We give you what does the word say? It is written. It is written. So that indeed when other people tell you other things, you will be able to discern and say, "Uh -uh," but this is unscriptural. Amen? Because there are people who will come and entice you. There are people who will come and tell you their own views. But if they are not showing you what is written, you are under no obligation to follow that. Amen. Now, how do we correct each other? Verse 15, I like this one. Instead, speaking the truth how? Speaking the truth how? Have you ever heard somebody hating people and they say, it's just that truth hurts. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, it means, the truth that's not spoken in love, that's the one that hurts. Truth doesn't hurt. Most people, truth hurts, it's just that truth hurts. No. Speaking the truth in love. So if you are telling me the truth, but you're doing it in love, it's easy to accept it. Even when you want to correct somebody, or when you want to say something, I always say when I want people to give feedback. I say reflect on something, but I always warn them. If you only tell me the negative things, then it's less likely that I will accept your advice because you can't even see anything good. So a person who is good is the one who will say, this is going well, that is going well, but here I think we can improve. I think this is not in the right place. Then it's easy to accept it, isn't it? even in your own life, if somebody, when they are correcting you, they correct you, but they do it in love. When you've done something good, they appreciate it. You know that there are people who only wait for you to make mistakes? Mm. Sometimes let's catch people doing the right thing. Let's do that. (laughs) I do that also at work. Sometimes my visits, I just go to areas just to see how good people are doing. And people think, oh, is he spying on us? No, I'm just coming to see how good you're doing. Amen? We need to do that. Even with our children, when they've done something good, appreciate it. Even with your wives, your husbands, your parents, appreciate them. So on the day when they do something that's not right and you are now trying to raise as a point of correction, they will listen. Because when they have done right, you can correct them. You you, you appreciate it. Isn't it? When we are in the couple's outing, we were talking about how husbands should appreciate their wives. And then the, there was also a question about, how do I do if maybe the hairstyle that she has, I don't like it? <laughs> Speaking the truth in love. So you've got to look for the the, the the nice hairstyle first. Wait for You didn't appreciate the good one before. So now wait for the good one to come. When the good one comes, you say, this is brilliant. This is, this, this is very nice. Keep on doing this one. Then a person will interpret what the other one was. Speaking the truth in love. Amen? Because you are appreciating. Amen? Let's start winding down. Let's go to Psalms 133. Verse 1 to 3. We've begun our descent. Because as a family of God, the church as a family, look at how we need to react to relate with one another. Psalms 133, one thirty three one to three ERV Easy to Read Version. It says, "It is good for a family of God's people to live together in peace." Can we say that together? It is good, it is good. for a family of God's people, of God's people. to live together. In peace. It's good. And if we live together in peace, as God's family, people of the world will learn what should be done. Also, we'll take this into our homes. Amen? We live with one another. We know how to talk with each other. We live with each other in peace. Even when you go home, it rubs off on your other people around you. This is good for a family of God's people to live together in peace. Yes, it brings great pleasure. It brings pleasure like valuable olive oil that is poured on your head and it goes down on your beds. They poured it onto Aaron's head. I want you to look at this. Poured it on Aaron's head. And then when you pour oil here, and his beards, and went down to his clothes. I'm reading, but I'm demonstrating It brings pleasure like the dew of Mount Hermon. They say Mount Hermon was higher than Mount Zion. So the dew of Mount Hermon coming down to Mount Zion. And it it says, that is the place where the Lord has promised to bless his people. Other version says, that's where the Lord commands a blessing. Now, this is the portion of scripture that I refer to as Blessing by association. It means if the oil is here and it's coming down and you are part of this, there's no way that it will not rub off on you because you are part of this body. So as the family of Jesus, as Jesus the Savior Church family, it means whatever is poured out on the head, it flows to the rest of the body. Whatever favors and blessing that God has upon me as the pastor, when it's poured there, there's no way that you won't benefit when we are one body. Amen. 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 So that's why it's very important for us to keep united and stay together, bonded in love with one another. So when that is flowing, it benefits everybody. So, I want to ask you a question as we're going to 2nd Kings chapter 2, I want to ask you a question. What do you think would happen to a person who does not acknowledge the oil that's poured on the head here? Because that oil cannot work for that person. So it means it's very much important for you to place yourself under the anointing that you want to be over you. Many people are very quick to want to be laid hands on. Have you seen the verse that says, don't be quick to have hands laid on you? Yeah, you are. sometimes you are getting things. Mm. Getting things. And people are transferring things on you. So it means you need to know, the person who's laying hands on me, do I trust that anointing? Is that the kind of anointing that I want to rub on my life? What do I subject myself to? So, let's go to this second Kings because there's something important here. I want you to know that in the family, for things to benefit us, we've got to acknowledge the anointing that is upon the servants of God among us. In Ephesians it says God gave gifts some apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, to equip the saints. But now I want you to look here about somebody who acknowledged the anointing of God upon the man of God over him. And that anointing could work for him. Imagine, let me put it bluntly, imagine you keeping on gossiping about this pastor. Do you think the the anointing that's upon this pastor should work for you? Because God hears you when you're gossiping. He hears it. I might not hear it, and I'm still praying for you. But God hears it. And now, you can't then claim the same anointing that's on that man. Amen. But look at this one. Somebody who valued the anointing that was upon the man of God, and they said, with the God of this person, we are going to overcome. You look even how Gideon, with the people that he was with, those soldiers they were saying, "By the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord." So they called also the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord because they were saying, "This is the leader who is taking us through these battles." I'll give you two other examples because scriptures must be backed up by other scriptures. There was a time when um, David, when when the army of David. Absalom was fighting with his father. He had an army. And Absalom's army was almost like having an upper hand at that time. And then the soldiers of David, David wanted to go to war with his soldiers. The soldiers of David said, don't go with us to war because you are more valuable than 10,000 of us. If they kill just you only, it's like they've killed 10,000 of us. So remain, we will go and fight. It's there in your Bible. So you look at that and say, okay, so these people, they acknowledged that we need this leader. We can rather sacrifice ourselves, but that leader, we need that leader. That's what I hope you are doing for me. I hope you're praying for me and saying, if the enemy gets this one, it's like he's got all of us. So therefore, let's be begging and be behind this one. So that you can keep on holding the the rod of the Lord. You remember Moses? You remember when the Amalekites were fighting with the Israelites? And Joshua was leading the, the army? And Moses was on top of the mountain with Aaron and her. Moses was not fighting down there, but he was just holding the stuff up. The Bible says, when Moses' hand was up, what was happening to the Israelites? What did they do? They were winning. Some of the battles you are having is because your Moses is lifting up the hand. Tell your neighbor, some of the, the victories you are having is because Moses is lifting up the hand. So pray for Moses that his hand must not get tired. Amen. Amen. And the Bible was very clear. It says, but when the hand got tired and it went down, what happened to those soldiers, the Israelite soldiers? They were defeated. Amen. So this should encourage you to say, let's keep on lifting up the hand of our Moses. Let's pray for him. Because when the rod is up, we win. And we win together as a team. So listen to this. 2 Kings chapter 2. 9 to 14, NIV. It was Elijah and Elisha. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Elijah was going to leave, was going to be taken by the chariot of fire to heaven. But then his servant Elisha, he asked his servant Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? What do you think? He should say, some of you, if I were to ask you, uh, before the pastor departs, what can I do for you? A uh, Pastor, can you just write a will for me? <laughs> uh, pastor, what about, that, what about that house, pastor? That's not what this man did. I mean, the man of God asked him, what can I do before I'm taken away? What does Elisha say? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Did you see that? Let me inherit. So of all the inheritance, I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. So in other words, I have seen the spirit of God upon you and how the Lord is mightily using you. If I can just get a double portion of that It will be good. I mean, when he was asked this question, it's the same when God asked uh, Solomon, what can I do for you? Solomon didn't ask for riches and all that. He asked for wisdom and understanding to lead God's people. So it means sometimes the things that we value as if they are very important, they are not so important in the eyes of God. So he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Why? Because he, he treasured the spirit that was upon Elijah. So I like saying to the people, if you cannot treasure the spirit that's upon your pastor, you are in a wrong church. Hmm. Go to a place where you will be able to treasure the anointing that's upon their lives, so that that anointing can work for you. Look at this, how it works. Elisha replied, let the double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now listen to Elijah's response. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not be. You know what this statement means? So he was saying to him, you can ask for a double portion of my spirit, but if you don't stick with me, you cannot have it. There are many people who desire the anointing that's upon a particular man of God or upon that pastor but they are not sticking with them so he says if when I'm taken you are not there you won't get it but if you are there you will inherit it how did they do it he says as they were walking along and talking together suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out. Why did Elisha cry out? Why did Elisha cry out? Cry it out. Why did Elisha cry out? My father, my father. My father, my father. That's how he viewed Elijah. But Elijah was not his biological father. But he viewed him as a father, as a mentor, as a father. As somebody under whose anointing I want to operate. He says, my father, my father. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Then Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. So when they were going, when they crossed the Jordan River, uh, Elijah had used that cloak to part the Jordan River. Now they were the other side. So when he was on the other side, for him to go back, so he took that mantle. He came back to the brink of the Jordan River. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. And what did he say? He struck the water with it, and what did he say? Now, where now is the Lord, who? The God of Elijah. You see what he was doing? He was saying, I've received this mantle from Elijah, your servant. And because I served him faithfully and I'm submitting to that anointing, I want the same anointing that worked in his life to work for me now. He says, where is that God of Elijah? And then the God of Elijah appeared and things parted. And then he started walking and ministering the way that Elijah, Elijah did. Because he had asked for a double portion, you hear, you know of the many things that Elisha did after Elijah was gone. So it means as a body of Christ, We need to love one another. We need to be there for one another. But we also need to appreciate and acknowledge the anointing that God has placed among us. Amen. We can stand up and thank God.